All right, how we doing? Good, 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 good. Well, uh, I didn't do this early and I want to do it now. I need to tell somebody happy birthday. You, sir. So be sure and embarrass, give him a hard time because he's getting older. <laughs> this guy right here, Eric, we love you, man, and happy birthday. Thank you for what you mean to us and, and uh, man, everything that you do for us here in this place and for the Lord, we uh, count it an honor, man. Count you a good friend and just, just thank the Lord for you. So many, many more to you, my friend. Many, many more. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. It's kind of one of those, uh, those mornings. This week, I uh, try to be diligent and get the questions out to our discipleship development leaders so they can have good conversation um, after the service. And so that's where we walk this out more relationally. Um, and so I did that and got it out to them. But God kind of threw a little curveball in there. So as he did that, the plan this morning was to cover like up through chapter 23. And so we were going to kind of um, do like an overview uh, type as we walked throughout the rest of the remainder of, of Acts, kind of overview this thing and look at it and kind of dive in a little bit and pull back out. Uh, but the problem, God had a different plan. That was Scott's plan and God's plan was different. And so this week as I was studying and praying and just, man, trying to seek what God would want me to say uh, this morning in this place, um, he started to change that and started to say, no, no, Bo, just push pause. Let's take our time. Let's walk through this. I've got some stuff that I want to tell, tell the people. And so, um, so this morning, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Acts chapter 18. Uh, we're just going to kind of continue to walk along. 18 verse 24 is where we'll start. And we'll get through uh, uh, verse 10 of chapter 19. Um, but that's where we're going to be this morning, Acts uh, 18.24, and I just want to give you kind of a friendly reminder as you're turning there, uh, and this is not for the moms, but this is for more the dads. Uh, next week is Mother's Day. I know we've mentioned it, but I just want to let you know again uh, just to prepare you for that, uh, and so uh, no discipleship development. We'll have pastries and things like that and enjoy uh, just a morning of fellowship and God's Word and so uh, and celebrate um, all that God has done in moms uh, and, and everybody, really, who He is, uh, who Jesus is, and so I wanted to remind you of of that, and I want to kind of give moms, I know like a, a big thing is to try to get the husbands here for, for Mother's Day, and so I just want to kind of give you some ammo, all right? So some ammo that I've got for you is that we're going to look at a really, really cool story uh, at the very beginning of the sermon next week. Uh, there's uh, just like kind of like one of those head scratcher stories of what took place. There's a fight that's going to go down, and I don't mean like, like not like good and evil. What is good and evil, but there's going to be like a physical throwdown fight, and so that's all I'm going to tell you, um, so you have to read along to, to find out what that is, but to kind of like uh, appeal to you to try to get your husbands here next week as well, um, and so Excited to see what God's going to do with that. But this morning, Acts chapter 18, verse 24, uh, to catch everybody up a little bit. Uh, last week, I uh, tried to stay very Baptist for you. And what I mean by that is this. I had three, three points, no poem, but three points. And so uh, we looked at just how Paul dealt with discouragement. And so we said these things here is that he pressed into right relationship. As he was discouraged, he found people of like pressed into them and did relationship with them. The second thing he did is he didn't quit. Just because he was discouraged, he didn't give up, didn't stop, didn't check out, but he kept on doing what God called him to do, which was spread the gospel and tell as many people about Jesus as he could. And the last thing we looked at last week is, is he let God be God and do what God does, which he brings about encouragement in times of discouragement. And so we walked out those three points. If you missed last week's talk or any talks in the series of Acts, you can catch those online. Um, and so what we see in the story as we wound down last week is he leaves uh, Corinth and he heads to Ephesus and he meets this couple, Priscilla and Aquila, a godly uh, married couple, and he pours into them and gets to know them. Uh, he eventually leaves that couple in Ephesus and he travels on to some various places. And so this morning we're going to focus in on what God's doing in Ephesus. So I'm going to ask you if you would join me as we pray. God love you. Lord Jesus, again, thank you so much. <clears throat> for your will, for your word, for your, uh, God, for all that you're doing uh, in the hearts of your people. Lord, I just pray this morning in this place that you would move and speak. God, that you would make your presence known. God, do a work in us. God, for whatever reason, I believe you've kind of changed some things this morning that you want us to look at. And so, God, I just believe, I don't, I don't believe in happenstance or chance. God, I believe in your sovereign, perfect will. And so, God, I'm just gonna believe, excuse me, this morning in this place, you wanna say some things to some hearts. And God, I just thank you how you shook mine this week. God, I pray that blessing upon the people in this room. God, I pray that you would just shake us, convict us, and draw us. Jesus, we need you. Holy Spirit, please invade this place. Fall heavy upon this place. Convict, draw, encourage, do a, the only work that you can in this place this morning. Lord, we love you and we need you. In your name we pray. Amen. 
Amen. So Acts 18, 24, uh, the scene here in the book of Acts, like I said, shifts to Ephesus as we're introduced to yet another person in this uh, beautiful story of the spread of God's church and his gospel. Acts 18, 24 says this. It says, now, uh, a Jew named Apollos, he's a native of Alexandria. He came to Ephesus and he was an eloquent man. And so this can mean that he was a man of words or a, a man of ideas. And so what we need to do is we just need to let the text explain and tell us uh, and uh, tell us how to interpret what kind of a man Apollos was. And so just kind of a little side note to you this morning, that if there's ever a question in scripture of what is it saying or what does it mean, uh, usually if we'll read on a little further or if we'll go back and look back, it, and scripture is the best interpreter of scripture. Let God's word say what it says. And so the, one of the best ways to do that is to read forward a little bit or go back and look a little bit. And so that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna see and the scriptures are gonna tell us uh, about this eloquent man. Is he uh, just full of words, ideas? What, what does that mean? It says this, it says that he is competent in the scriptures. And so Apollos is a man that's not just familiar with God's word, but as we're gonna see earlier in, or later in the story that he is one to be reckoned with when it comes to handling God's word. He is one that knows God's word, that's gonna proclaim God's word. And so I just wanna press here for a moment because I believe there's something that we need to pull from this, a good, a good little nugget that we can mine out for just a moment. Two things, one, he's a man, and two, he knows God's word. He is a man that knows God's word. And so what I wanna say here this morning is this, is man, we need to step it up. We need to rise up. And I'm not trying to take anything away from women here, that's not the point. Yes, women, you need to know God's word too. You need to be in God's word as well. But I just wanna just, just chat for a moment about this reality of him being a man and knowing God's word being competent in God's word. And so I'll get back to everybody else here in a second, but me, a man, I feel like I can beat up on us for a minute because sometimes we need it. We need to be worked over a little bit. We need to be told the hard, difficult truth. And so, so often what we do as men is we play the dumb man card uh, until it can be easy and convenient for us. So we'll just play that dumb man card because that's easy and convenient and it gets us out of stuff. But we'll get offended and upset when you call us a dumb man when it's not convenient for us, when it doesn't help us out. And the illustration that I always like to use is this, and it's one that I use, and I'll probably ride this thing into the ground as much as I can, but, but we know right now our college football teams, we know who they're recruiting, who's coming to be on campus, who's already on campus, spring game just happened. We know our college football teams like crazy. We know who they're recruiting three years down the road. We know who that little 10th grade kid is that's gonna be playing high school football uh, in Georgia next year that our team is recruiting heavy. We know who that is. We even know to the point, the four stringer who's gonna be the starter on the scout team. And so my question is always this, man, how do we know that? How are we so familiar with who that is? It's because we do the hard work. We read, we research, we study, we find out, we read articles, we search the web. My question is this, why won't we do that when it comes to something important? not Clemson football or Carolina football, but rather the word of God that can lead to eternal life. Why won't we dive in and dig into there? And maybe, so maybe the issue is this, is not that we're, um, not that we're just dumb men. Maybe the issue is desire. Maybe the issue is want. Maybe that's the problem. And hear me, I'm a dude, so I can, I can say this kind of stuff. Because I know that I've got lazy tendencies in me. I know that I want the easy explanation. I, I've got that stuff in me. I don't have time. But I make time for the things that are important. And maybe the problem is this, is that it's our desire and our want for the thing that's the most important isn't there like it should be. And so now to the, to the rest of us. So I, think, I just think this needs to be an example for every one of us. As we look at Apollos here, and he's a man of the word, I think it's just a beautiful example of what the remainder of us in this, what all of us in this room should be like. We don't need to just be familiar with the big verses, the John 3, 16s, the, the, the Romans uh, chapter 12, verses one and two, or, or uh, the Romans 8, 28. We need, we need, to, be not, we need to be familiar with, the, with not just the big verses, but we need to at least know or, or ha have an understanding of how to figure out what the whole counsel of God's what the whole counsel of God means, what, what God has spoken and said to us. And so my fear today is that the church is, is ignorant when it comes to his word. And hear me, ignorance is not an offensive word. Ignorant is just a word that means unlearned or unaware of. And so what that means is this, is that we as the men and women of God need to dig in and we need to find out and we need to research and we need to read and we need to study and we need to become familiar with God's word. We'll do it with everything else, will we not? How many parents, when you were, were getting ready to have your baby read books or, or talk to other people or try to find out as much as information as you possibly can? I don't care how much you found out, it still doesn't prepare you for what you're about to step into, does it? But guess what? God's word will prepare you about what you're stepping into. And we've got it. 
And there is, we are living in a day and age now where there are, there are as many resources as ever when it comes to God's word, when it comes to knowing his word, when it comes to being educated around what he has said and who he is. So there's no excuse for us to be ignorant, unaware, unlearned, not knowing. I mean, you've got a staff here that loves you, wants to walk through. I mean, Wednesday nights, what we do on Wednesday nights is we walk verse by verse. Like, it took us a month and a half to get through the first chapter of Philippians. And it's only like 20-something verses. Why? Because we want to be slow, and we want to look at, we want to look under every rock. We want to look in every corner. We want to check out and see, what, what is God saying? What does his word say? What's happening? We're going to do everything we can on a Sunday morning to do the same thing. We're going to look at God's word and see what he's saying, see what it means, pull it apart, uh, dissect it, walk through it, explain it the best we can. We want to be men and women of the word. We need to know his word. If we're not pressing in and finding out like we need to, then what we need to do is repent. We need to press in and do the hard work of learning God's word. Verse 25, he says this. It says, he had been instructed in the way of the Lord. And so that's a term that means that he was instructed and knew about the things of God. He was aware of the things of God. He knew the things of God. And so I, I, read, a, I read a quote this week. And I want to read it to you real quick. It's by a man named Vody Bauckham. I mean, just a juggernaut of our faith today. He says this. He says, the modern church is producing passionate people with empty heads who are in love with a Jesus they don't know very well. Listen again, the modern church, the church in America, the church today is producing passionate people. We got a lot of passion, we've got a lot of emotion, but we have empty heads who are in love with a Jesus, this thought of Jesus, this explanation of Jesus. They're in love with a Jesus they do not know very well. So we need to be instructed in the way of the Lord. See, my fear in today's church, that's us. That you may be instructed in the way of the Lord, but it ends there. That you may know a few verses, but it ends there. That you may be able to read a little quote and throw it up online, but it ends there. You come week in and week out, and you, you know some of the stories, but you have no desire to, to walk with or to grow in or be obedient to God and his word. We've just got empty heads. We've got, we like this persona and this picture of what it means to be Christian or a believer or be the church. It helps us out some day to day. People look at us different. They like us better. They tolerate us more. They're gracious to us. Maybe, maybe that's kind of the picture that's been painted. Maybe that's the thought behind it. Where we've been instructed in the way of the Lord, but that's as far as it goes. This is what God said. This is what he means. This is what he stands for. And then we walk out the door, never living that out, never having a desire for obedience, never having a desire to walk with him relationally. There's no real affection and desire for relationship with Christ. And so the reality is this, it could be some of us here in this room this morning. You know some things about Jesus, but you don't truly know Jesus. You know some things about him. You can tell some of the stories. You've heard some of the stories. You maybe know a verse or two, but you really know him. Like, is your whole worldview wrapped up in the reality of who Christ is and what his word says and what he stands for? Like, do you live that out? Do you follow that out day to day? Is your heartbeat to be obedient to Christ? Is that what it's like? Is that, would that be described by you? You know about him, but you don't know him. I, I kind of say it like this. We know enough to be dangerous in the modern church today. We know enough to be dangerous. So, so kind of the illustration that I want to give you is, in college, I took a few, um, a few classes on Greek. And so I know just enough to be dangerous. So I could throw out some cool words. I could make you think that I am like there and I am super spiritual and I know, know some stuff because not everybody just relates to the Greek language, right? Not everybody kind of uh, connects the scriptures to the Greek language, the original language. But what you don't know about me is that in those uh, uh, three classes that I took, the, the best grade I got was a C. Pay your fees, get your C's, right? That's horrible advice, kids, horrible advice. You study hard. You do good. <laughs> like, hey, who else do we have for pastor? Who could make some calls? What did you make in Greek? No, but what that did was this, it equipped me enough to be able to go back and to look and see context, see, see what was happening, see what was going on in the story, be able to go back and look at some words. Like, doulos. Oh, that sounds, dang, that boy, doulos and up there. I mean, servant or slave in connection to Jesus. I mean, we could drop some words and I can impress you. But what, I just know enough to be dangerous. And if I'm not careful, that can get me in trouble. So what I have to do is I have to go and I have to look and I have to read and I have to do the difficult work of finding out really what's being said, really what's happening. And my fear is that's what's happening in the church, especially in the South, right? Because this is what we do. 
in our DNA. Mommy and daddy raised us to be good Southern folk. And so what we do is we go to church on a Sunday morning, but we never go to church for the right reason. We go to, uh, to make mom and dad happy, or we go to look good, or we go to, you fill in the blank of the reason why you're here this morning. And it's never to know more and grow and worship and lift high who Jesus Christ is and what he's done for us. And so my fear is that we've come to fake it. We've come to, to have all the outward appearances of with no real internal desire and heart for. So you know about Jesus, but you don't know Jesus personally to the point of where he dictates every ounce of your life, every decision, every conversation, everything about you. Look at where else Apollos goes here. He says, and being fervent in spirit. So this just lets us know that he has this enthusiasm. There's this an excitement. Are you excited over the word of God? Are you excited over Jesus? Are you excited over of, 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 his, of, of who he is and what he has done? Apollos is, he has enthusiasm, he has excitement. He has a zeal and excitement that translate in, translates into action. His faith has brought about an action, an obedience, a, a living it out. Would that be described by you? And I'm not talking about you have to be charismatic and jumping around and, and hitting tambourines and singing to the Lord all day. What I'm talking about is this is there's an excitement in you for the things of God. Are you growing in that? Is there a longing for that? I mean, do you live out your faith? with works. You don't work for your faith, but as a result of your faith in Jesus, it's going to bring about a work in your life whereby you look less like you and more like Jesus. And so that's what we see in Apollos here. And look at what else it says. It says that he spoke and he taught accurately the things concerning Jesus. So with what knowledge he had, with what understanding he had, he was teaching correctly and saying the right things about Jesus. That's what he was doing. So back to this reality of we need to know God's word because I'm gonna tell you what the scriptures did to me this week. And, and you and I, we talked about this. The scriptures, I'm gonna tell we had one put out there and it was gonna be like, I mean, it was a high fastball, you know what I'm saying? So as I was reading, as I was preparing, as I was, I mean, man, this is gonna be good until I pressed in to see what God's word was saying. Because I was about, what I wanted to do this week, let me tell you what, just step over here. What I wanted to do this week was, man, I wanted to preach a sermon and that sermon was going to be so good. Oh, it's going to be good. See, I don't struggle with pride. I'm working through that. Man, it's going to be good. It was going to be good from a worldly standpoint until God got a hold of it. Because scriptural integrity matters. So what I wanted to do this week is I wanted to look at old Apollos here as being a good guy that knew some scriptures and, and knew some good stuff. Knew about Jesus, but they didn't know him. Which is kind of right, but kind of not. He knew that there was a coming Messiah, and that's what we're going to see here in just a moment, but he wasn't fully aware of who he was. He, was, he wasn't fully aware of all that. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to preach Apollos as probably being lost and not knowing Jesus, but knowing a bunch about Jesus. See how this kind of translates to the American church today? See how the church, I believe the church is filled with people like that. I believe that the church is, is eat up with what, what Vody Bauckham says here, people that has these empty heads of who Jesus is. They're in love with the Jesus that they don't know. And I was like, man, that's Apollos until we dive into the word and we see what God's word says. And so what we know about Apollos is that he didn't have this full understanding of the gospel yet. Look at what the scriptures say about him next. It says, though he knew only the baptism of John. So what he knew is that there was a coming Messiah. Let me explain to you what that means. We have John coming, I mean, we read it in the gospels and he comes into the wilderness of Judea and this is what he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's John's message. He was the forerunner before Jesus and so he's out there telling people, Jesus, there's one coming to There's one coming that's greater than I. And so he's in Judea and he is preaching to the Jews, God's chosen people. He's the promised prophet, the one that comes before the forerunner who would come and prepare the way of the Lord. And so what he's doing is this, is he's calling the Jews to admit that they were sinners and needed to get right with God. And that they needed to admit that being Jews was not, no guarantee of being saved. No guarantee of, of getting in. And so what would happen is when a Jewish person would receive John's baptism, it was a radical act of the individual's commitment to belong to the true people of God. It was based on a personal confession and repentance. Yes, I recognize and I realize that this Jesus you talk about is the Messiah. He's the one that's come for us. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And repentance, a turning from sin and to God. It's not, it wasn't based on a corporate identity with Israel and by being born as, into that. That's not what salvation was. So Apollos was one of the last to be moved from a hope to into a reality of 
He was an Old Testament saint that had a hope, hope, hope to see the Messiah, knew of the Messiah coming, but now he's living in a day and age where the Messiah has come and he can know, he can be aware of, he can know that Messiah is. And so what we have is this, is that we have Old Testament saints who look to the coming. So you have the Old Testament saints knew of the coming one. It was prophesied and it was told about it. So they were looking forward to the cross, having no idea who this Messiah would be. But they knew that one was coming to rescue and redeem and ransom them. Then Jesus comes and he dies on the cross for sins of man, rises again, rules and reigns. And then you've got those saints of the New Testament who are looking back to the cross, knowing good and well who the Messiah is. Old Testament, that's the baptism of John's baptism, believing in that becoming Messiah. See, it's all based around faith. It's all based around faith. All of it. Old Testament, believing in the coming Messiah. New Testament, a physical belief in the Messiah's been here, who he is, who he, what he did for us. Walking relationally with him. But Apollos was baptized into John's baptism, and we'll talk a little bit more. 26 says this, and he began to speak boldly in the synagogues, See, that's how we know he was a juggernaut for the word. That's how we know that he was a man. I mean, if you're in the synagogue speaking boldly, when was the last time you spoke boldly about Jesus? When was the last time, I mean, you, I mean like he's in a religious place telling of the one that they want nothing to do with. But then when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and they explained to him the way of God more accurately. So what happens is this, is Apollos needs the rest of the story. We're unfamiliar with what he knows or what he doesn't know, but, but there's something going on there that just, just doesn't resonate with Priscilla and Aquila, and so they pull him aside, and they start to tell him, excuse me, more about Jesus. So again, back to the baptism of John. He could now better tell of the Messiah, Jesus, who had come. And so two things I just wanna point out real fast here in this little portion of the scripture, this little nugget that's buried again right here that we'll just wax over if we're not careful of. Look at Apollo's attitude. I mean, he was a man that was baptized into John's baptism, I mean, it says that he's an eloquent man. It was talking about how he'd been instructed in the way of the Lord. I mean, look at the things that it's already said about him. He's a man who's competent in the scriptures. All of those, so he's a man that knows God's word, the part that he knows. And you have a, a, a Priscilla and Aquila here pulling him aside. But I just love his attitude, do you not? I mean, he knows some things, but there's somebody else that knows a little bit more than he does. And look at how he responds. What humility. I mean, he gets called out. Who likes to be called out? Who likes to be pulled aside? Who likes to be talked to in that way? And so what this shows is he has this willingness to to continue to learn and grow. Church, we've got to stay hungry for God's word. We've got to stay hungry uh, for knowing him more, walking in him more. We need to stay hungry for, for knowledge. We need to continue pressing in and learning Man, I'm constantly reading, trying to understand greater, trying to walk deeper, trying to know more. I'm, I'm reading things that's gonna challenge what I believe. Well, I've always believed the scriptures to say this, but does it really say that? Again, I know just enough to be dangerous. So I've gotta go dig, and I've gotta go find, and I've gotta go read, and I talk to other pastor friends, and I talk to other believers, and I talk to, does this make sense? I just, I'm t- constantly trying to grow and learn and have a greater understanding, and hear me, I'm just gonna just, just be completely honest with you. The more I learn, the less I realize I know. Uh, because that's what God's word does to us. It shows us real quick when we think that we're big and bad and we've got it all together and we know. It shows us real quick, like, like at the beginning of the sermon this week, I'm telling you, it's gonna be good. But what God shows me real quick is like, boy, you, you gotta know my word before you can preach it and proclaim it. You gotta know what you're talking about before you do it. You, you've gotta make sure you, you've got grips with it. You gotta make sure you, you understand what I'm saying, what I'm doing. I, I mean, hear me, like I know, I know the scriptures where Jesus says not many of you will presume to be teachers, my brethren, because those that you do, knowing that you'll be judged more strictly, like, like let that sink in for a moment. Like, like, like do you realize one day I'm gonna stand and give an account for everything that I've said here I mean, on this platform, knowing good and well that there will be people that will come in here, hear something that I say, and they'll take it for gospel truth. I mean, just because I'm a preacher or I'm a pastor, just because I've got a, a, a little credential like that, they will take what I said as gospel truth, and I could be somewhere out in left field. And that scares me to death, the reality that God will look at me one day and he'll be like, are you serious? You believe that about me? To the point that you're willing to tell everybody? I mean, that scares me to death. Yes, I'm gonna take the, yes, this is serious. Yes, this is life or death. Every word spoken by God, the inerrant perfect word of God. 
Yes, we need to take it serious. Yes, we need to know what God's word says. I'm jumping ahead of myself, but look at Apollo's attitude here. Man, that of humility, that of humility, and what that should do is force us to run more to the word. Force us to run more to the word. The second thing that we see is this in this little, little nugget here is Priscilla and Aquila, their intentionality. See, instead of publicly instructing him what they do, or instead of embarrassing him publicly, instead of making him a fool, look like a fool, they pull him aside. And they're intentional in stepping into his life and helping him grow toward a greater understanding and knowledge of Jesus. That's what they do. And so church, what I'm gonna say is this, is that we need men and women in this room to do the same thing. Hear me, we need people to step up and mature and grow in their faith and their understanding of God's word so we can instruct. Like you heard me make my little ploy at the very beginning about the, hey, we need help with children. We need help with children. Why? Because we need you to do this. I mean, their little theology and their little minds run crazy. I mean, some of the questions that you'll have or some of the conversations you'll have with a little one about God, I mean, so they need men and women who can step into their life, who can let them know what the scriptures say, all the while loving on them and playing with them and, and doing those kinds of things with them. And we know during summer it gets a little sparse. People are on vacation, people are out of town. Those kinds of things happen. And so we're just asking, man, would you be willing to sign up and say, yes, I will do some of this Priscilla and Aquila stuff and I'll step into these little kids' lives and I will, I will love them. It could be as simple as just rocking them for an hour, playing in the floor with cars. And then playing in the floor with cars is a little question. Hey, hey, buddy, you know who makes cars? Ford, no, not, okay, yeah, Ford, but you know who, you know who give Ford the ability to make cars? Who? God. Like it's, it's so awesome. Like right now, my little three-year-old, that's, he's, 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 God made everything kick. And I'm like, yes, sir, he did, buddy. That building? Yeah, he did. God made that building. Did God really make that building? Absolutely. Where's your worldview, man? God is in control of all things. God is sovereign of all things. God gives the brilliantest of minds. Brilliantest is not a word, but the most brilliant minds, the knowledge and understanding on how to do. I mean, that's God's gifting. Yes, God made that building. Yes, God had his hand in that. So absolutely, like we need men and women like that. We need you to rise up and we need you to do this, not just in, not just in children, but in youth, not just in youth, but in college, not just in college, but in, in adults. Like, like we need to grow and mature. We need to be humble in the part of letting people speak into our lives and help us understand greater. Help us understand and know God's word greater. And that's what Priscilla and Aquila do. And I just love their intentionality. I love their intentionality. Look at what else Apollo just does with his knowledge and learning. Verse 27, it says this. It says, and when he, uh, when he um, wished to, cr I'm sorry, that's wrong. Yeah, when he, yeah, okay, okay, I was just making sure I'm like, what? And when he um, wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed. I mean, look at that. So, so he's, been, he's been corrected, he's been poured into, there's been intentionality there. And he continues to go and spread what he knows. He continues to go and teach and tell and help those. And I can just think of the men and women in my life who've done the same thing. The Cindy Raider who poured into me as a kid. The, the Larry Mayhew. Whenever I had one of those questions, you know what his answer to me was? Growing up in the, the little church that I grew up in and went to sometimes, whenever I had a Bible question, there was this guy in our church that he knew it. Like he would just read through that thing a couple times a year. And I'm like, okay, this is the guy. If you, if you want a Bible question answered, you go to him. And you know what his response was? You should probably read over in John chapter seven verses in that area. And I'm like, just tell me. But you know what he's doing? He's, he's teaching me to have a hunger. He's teaching me to, to, to do the work that I need to do to find out, to figure out. This was before the internet. Like this was this dial-up stuff and it wasn't fun. Like it took like 30 minutes just to get connected unless mom and dad picked up the phone. Yeah, you know, I heard a name about there. Praise God, that's right. Yeah you, yeah, you kids don't know what we're talking about. Like, you don't have this, like, just point and you're on. No, 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 there was no just point on you. Like, you had to call and it dialed up. And <laughs> I mean, it was just, it was awful. But I had a Larry Mayhew is what I had. And that joker, oh, it frustrated me so bad when I go ask him a Bible question. He'd be like, well, why don't you check out over in the Gospel of John? I'm like, but there's like 30 chapters, man. He's like, and I guarantee the answer's in one of them. Oh, are you kidding me? But what that did was this, is it caused me to go learn because he didn't just say, check out and John. And so when I come back and he would ask me, so how, what'd you find out? I said, well, I'm only on chapter seven. He's like, maybe fast forward a few chapters. Start about 13 somewhere. I'm like, okay, 13. He's like, 13, chapter 13. Oh. So I'd read and I would look and I would read. We need that, church. That should be us. He greatly helped those 
who through grace had believed. We need to do that. Apollo takes what he's come to learn and he uses it to help others grow in the faith as well as defend and refute uh, his the faith based on his belief. And so far what we see in the scriptures in Apollos is the driving force in him is his devotion to the love of the word of God. That's what it is. I love how he, he knows what God has said and he starts there. He goes at what God has said and, and it makes such an impact in his life that he proclaims it everywhere he goes. And so my question for us this morning is this, how do we have a desire and longing for God's word? How do we have that same desire and that same, that same passion? See, the psalmist tells us this. He says, how sweet are your words to my taste? The psalmist writes that, how sweet is your words to my taste? He also says, open my eyes that I may behold the wondrous things out of your law. So he prays this and he says this and he asks to have spiritual eyes to see glory or to have a holy taste bud as a gift from God. Because hear me church, no one naturally hungers for God's word. No one naturally hungers for that. No one stumbles into maturity. No one naturally delights in God and his word and his wisdom. Our, our nature fights against that, wars against that reality. So what we need to do is we need to pray. We need to seek. First we need to come to faith. And as we come to faith, he starts to, uh, he gives us the Holy Spirit. As we have the Holy Spirit, there starts to become this, uh, uh, this little uh, a draw to the word of God, draw to Jesus. And then we need to pray. And as we pray, we need to be disciplined in making God's word a priority. There needs to be some of, on our part to do that difficult work of. And so I'm a big quality over quantity guy. Like I'm just a big quality. I, I would rather you be realistic with yourself and I would rather you get in God's word and read three, four verses rather than three or four chapters and be like, okay, I did it, I'm good. What'd you read? I don't know. There, but there were four good verses. So it was so good that you forgot. It was so good that, but I'm just not good at reading. See how we do that again? I'm just not good at reading and retaining. Well, then read less so you can retain more. You know what I'm saying? Read less so we can know more. So, so, so that's my practice. That's what I do. I want, I want quality over quantity. Who cares how many, how many verses I've read this morning if I don't remember any of what I read? That does nothing to transform and change our life, does it? But when we read one, two, three verses and we can chew on it all day and we can meditate on it all day and we can revisit those three or four verses because they're not overwhelming and we can pour into it and we can figure out what God's saying and we can meditate on it and, and, and hunger and thirst for it. And then God can start to shape and transform us and change us. And again, man, we're just living in a time where it's too easy. I mean, it's just too easy for us to be able to do that. I mean, there's apps now that will do that, that will send you a verse to your phone that you can read every single day. version has a, a, a Bible app that you can go and you can click on it. It has a verse every day and as you pull it up, you can look at it, you can just read it. So as you roll out of bed, there it is, boom. As you brush your teeth, there it is. As you make your coffee, there it is. As, as you do whatever you do, lunch break, wherever you go, there's that verse so you can constantly revisit. You don't have to constantly revisit five chapters. You don't have time for that, do you? one verse, two verses, four verses, and we can remember it. See, the word of God is not a dead word or an effective word. It has life, and because it has life, it produces effects, and that's what we see happen in Apollos' life here. There's just something about the truth. It connects us to God as the source of life and power. See, God honors his word with his presence and power. That's what he does. He honors it. You want to be close to God? Get in his word. You want to know God more? Get in his word. You want to know the answers to the situation that you're going through? Get in his word because it's there. Our biblical worldview, that's what we need to have. You'll never have that if you're not in the Bible. You'll never have that just coming on a Sunday morning and hearing the word of God proclaimed. You'll never have a, world, a biblical worldview if you just come on Wednesday nights and hear the word of God proclaimed. You've got to start to fall in love with it. How do you do that? Just the way you did with your wife. Just the way that you do with your girlfriend. Just the way that you do with your kids. You spend time around them. You get to know them. You walk in relationship with them. We do the same thing with God's word. We got to get in it. We will never be hungry for it if we don't, if we don't taste it. Example. Example is this. Whatever your favorite food is, how did you come to know that was your favorite food? Well, you tasted it, right? You took a bite of it. Somebody introduced you to it or somebody showed you to it or somebody gave you a piece of it. And as a result of that, you start to eat it. It starts to marinate in your, your mouth. The taste buds get, no, get awoke to it. It comes alive. It starts to do something in you, like your mind and your heart just connect with that, whatever it is. And as a result of it, what happens? You start to long for it. You start to want it. Baby, what are we having for dinner tonight? Well, this sounds good. What are we having next night? Well, this, and you just like, for five nights in a row, you want it. 
And you long for it. Same thing happens with God's word. When we take a bite of it and we chew on it and we meditate on it and we, we spend time in it, because man, there is power and there is life. This isn't like, this is not like any other little book that we read. This is a book that, is, that has life. The very word of God breathed out has been recorded for us. And so that's what we see Paul to do. So if you want your life or your witness to have power and, and produce effects, stay close to the revealed word of God. Now Acts chapter 19, we're gonna look really home in on two verses real quick. And so what we see in Acts 19 is this, Apollo, he's in Corinth, and Paul goes back to Ephesus. When he arrives, Apollo arrives, he runs into a dozen followers of Jesus who have been baptized into John's baptism, same like him. And so this is what he does. He says to him in verse two, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we, we have not even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. So that's kind of an interesting question, is it not? That's kind of an interesting thing. Like what, what, what is that about? Like if we'd want to know if someone's received the Holy Spirit, what would we do? We would ask, have you believed on Jesus? That's the question that we would ask. Have you believed on Jesus? And if they answer the question yes, then we know that that person has received the Holy Spirit. We know that the the Holy Spirit has taken up residence in them and indwells them. So receiving the Holy Spirit is a logical conclusion, not an experience to point to. But Paul doesn't seem to just lean on the way of logic, does he? He doesn't just seem to land there with just a logical thing. So he asked, did you receive the Spirit when you believed? And so he expects that a person who has received the Holy Spirit to know it. He expects them to understand, to, to know that there's something different, not just because it's a logical conclusion that when you come to faith, you get the Holy Spirit, but because it's an experience with effects that we can point to. Did you catch that? It's an experience with effects. It's not just a logic. Yes, there's, there's truth and understanding in God's word that when we're saved, we get the Holy Spirit. But there's also an experience that comes with that. So in every case of the Holy Spirit's coming or being received in the book of Acts, there's a definite effect that one can point to as evidence that the Holy Spirit has been received. Here's some that's mentioned in the book of Acts. Speaking in tongues, prophesying, freely praising the great things of God, boldness and power and witness, obedience to God. All of those things are things that we've looked at over the last six months as we've walked through the book of Acts. But Luke here, as he records for us in Acts, he expects that the receiving of the Holy Spirit to be real, a distinguishable experience of the living God, not just a logical conclusion from a human act of the will. It's more than just understanding, okay, yeah, I get the Holy Spirit and then I go on with my life. It's more than that. See, there's no promise in the book of Acts that everyone who receives the Spirit will speak in tongues or prophecy. That's not a promise. But what we know is that there is a promise made in Acts 1.8 that when the Spirit comes upon us, what do we receive? We receive power. And in this power, we will be able to evangelize the world. And you shall be my witness, is what he says. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That's a promise that's made for those boys there in Acts. But what we see throughout the book of Acts is that that's a promise that's given to everyone who comes to faith in Christ. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be, that's a promise. You will be my witness. We're Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. That's what we're promised, church, with the Holy Spirit. It's made to everybody who comes to faith in Christ, not just a few So my question for you this morning is this, have you received the Holy Spirit? Have you received the Holy Spirit? Not even saved. Because you'll know that you're saved because you've got the promise of the Holy Spirit living in you. And there will be effects to that. There will be effects to that. What I know is this, and this is a horrible example, but it just came to me. This might be of the Lord or it may be me. I don't know, you can distinguish, maybe it'll help. But what I know is this, is when I drink a Mountain Dew, there's effects. You know what I'm talking about. Y'all know me. Edith's shaking her head, yeah. There is something that just happens to me. when I mean, I don't even have to drink like a full can. Like my wife, she like monitors my intake of dew. You know what I'm saying? But what we know is that, so have you, you don't have to ask if I had a Mountain Dew today. You know, I'm a little jittery. I'm a little more fast talking. I'm like, my ADD kicks up. Like I'm a little more anxious. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like everywhere. A little bit more than I normally am. There's an effect. Same thing, whenever you're saved, and there should be evidence of the Holy Spirit working in your life. As crazy and ridiculous as that illustration was of me taking a Mountain Dew, it should be even more evident in our life of the Holy Spirit working in us. So if you receive the Holy Spirit, and I believe we're dealt by the Holy Spirit when we come to faith. I believe he, he indwells us and he lives in us when we come to faith in the redemptive work of Jesus on the cross. If we in fact come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, 
Not just a love with a bunch of things about Jesus, but a love with Jesus and walking with. And then from there, we need to be praying for the filling of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, he indwells me and he lives within me, but what I do is this, is I pray every morning, God, fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your presence. Hey, help me be filled by you, God, where, where I act outside of who I naturally am, where, where I'm obedient to your word, where I'm doing, like some of the uh, evidences of the Holy Spirit in your life is this, is that the Spirit convicts and points out sin in your life, and what it does is cause you to live out repentance. Church, that's a good gift of God, conviction. That's, that's a, a, a telltale sign that you are indwelt with the Holy Spirit, because we live in a world that tells us we're never wrong, that tells us we're great, that tells us we're awesome, that, that, that we're good, that, well, that's everybody else's problem and we're never the problem. So when God lovingly convicts us and shows us that there's something in us that's contrary to him, we don't run from that. Who's wrong, God or man? Always man, right? God's never wrong. God's always right. God is always good. God is always loving. So when he pricks our heart by way of the Holy Spirit and he convicts us of a sin, we run to him and we repent and we say, thank you, God, for pointing that out in me. Because as a good, loving father, he corrects those who belong to him. He convicts those who are his. You don't see that in the world, do you? Evidence that you've been indwelt by the Holy Spirit, that you've received the Holy Spirit, is there's conviction and not just conviction, but we act upon that conviction. That's what the Holy Spirit does is he drives us to God. And what I've learned in my life is this, is that that time frame, that time frame of, of well, no, that can't be God, that's gotta be something else. It starts to get less and less and less and there's a more willingness in my heart and my life to run to Jesus when I blow it, when I mess up. It's getting closer and closer to closer together time-wise whenever I sin and I mess up. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit causes me to act in love toward others. I mean, why in the world would we ever want to love anybody else? I mean, why, why would we? That, that's not natural in us. Oh, I just want to love everybody and I want to uh, give and I want to, that's not natural. That's, that's not us being, no, that nothing in us would point us to that. That's the Spirit that does that. The Spirit causes me to have this, the fruit of the Spirit, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering. None of those things are just, uh, you can just well up inside of you, joy, peace, patience. I mean, I mean honestly, like who, who struggles with patience, right? It's gotta be a gift of the Spirit for us to be patient. I mean, nobody's patient today. Long-suffering, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all of those are evidences of the Spirit in us. See, the Spirit causes praise in my life, filling my heart and mouth with worship to Jesus. The Spirit gives courage in my life to overcome fear. Gives me a will to risk things for the cause of Christ. But if you cannot answer, church, if you cannot answer the question this morning, did you re receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Then it may be that you've never believed. And you need to as we come to the close of the service. Maybe it's the fact, if you can't point to evidences, experiences of the Holy Spirit moving and working in your life, then maybe you've never believed. Or maybe for some reason there's been a delay or a blockage in the manifestation of God's power in your life and you need to seek his fullness in prayer. It could be as a result of sin. There's a ton of things that could cause that or maybe it's he's doing more in your life than you realize because you've never been taught how to recognize what is the work of God in your life. So maybe he's working and he's doing and you're giving credit where credit's not due. Maybe he's working and doing as making himself manifest and you're just not aware to look toward that, aware to know the signs of that in any cause, in any of these cases. Man, I ask you to pray as we get ready to close this service. Pray and declare your faith to the Lord. Ask for the release of and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in your life and ask for the ability to be able to discern and see and recognize his work and moving. And then as we continue, Acts three through nine, Paul, he helps them understand and then he's baptized, baptizes them in the name of Jesus, lays hands on them and they uh, receive the Holy Spirit and they start to speak in tongues and prophesy. And what we know about Paul is he continues to preach Jesus in the synagogues and around Ephesus. And some people believe and then some people are dead set against him. And so what we see is Paul uh, uh, eventually withdraws from them and he takes the disciples with him and he reasons daily in the hall of Tyrannius. So that's what he does. And then as we close with verse 10, as Eric and the guys come back up, listen to this. Listen to what happens here as a result of their obedience to God's word and their result of the Holy Spirit living in them. And, and this continued for two years so that all of the residents of Asia heard the word of, of the Lord, both Jews and Greek. How many people heard the word of the Lord in Asia? No, 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 we're gonna do better than that, church. This is big. How many people heard the word of the Lord in Asia? Okay, that was, that was, we're getting there. How many people heard the word of the Lord in, uh, in Asia? All. all people. How many people's all people? Every single person. 
Is that not phenomenal? I mean, think about that for a moment. A whole continent hears the word of God. Look at what happens there. Believers are filled with the Holy Spirit. They experience his power to proclaim the gospel. And in doing that, every single person hears about the Lord. Every single person hears about Jesus. Imagine the time that took. It took two years. But all here, they take the gospel to the whole continent. And every, peop- every person heard of the love of Jesus for them. Now hear me, it didn't say that they come to faith, but they heard the gospel. What are we called to do? Same thing, is it not? Same thing, we're called to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. We're called to to evangelize our world, to tell people of Jesus. I mean, they did it and they were obedient and the Holy Spirit used them in such a way that the whole continent heard of the love of God. Is that not phenomenal? I mean, is that not mind-blowing? Think about it for a moment. Not just the state of South Carolina, everybody hears the gospel. Because hear me, there are people here that don't know the gospel, that have never heard it. I've had conversation with. There are people out there. I know we think that just because we're in the Bible Belt that everybody knows or has heard. No, everybody doesn't know and everybody hasn't heard. There are people moving here all the time. There are people taking up residence in our community that aren't from around here. Or maybe they have been around here and they just didn't have people to ever share with them or love them and tell them about Jesus. Man, I just, I, that's my prayer. God, help us be that. Help us, because of our faith in you and the active work of the Holy Spirit in our life, evident as a result of that, that power in us that we can go and we can share the gospel with everybody. The, the state of South Carolina here, and then we trickle over into North Carolina, we hit Georgia, we get down to Florida, Virginia, West Virginia. I mean, we just continue to just spread and move. Man, the gospel is power. And they do that, both Jews and Greeks. So church, imagine what the Holy Spirit could do through us this morning. Imagine the work that he could do in us. And you know what I know about this time? Is that there wasn't not one social media outlet. Like Paul was like, okay, boys, change your statuses to this. Oh, and guess what? Everybody heard about Jesus through social media, through their Facebook account. They Instagrammed it. They Snapchatted it. None of that was available. They did none of that. All of that was by word of mouth, by doing life with people, by having conversation, by being intentional. All of that's the way that it happened. Church, imagine what we could do if we'd be obedient to the Holy Spirit. If we would allow God in his power to work through us and to use us. So I want to close with a story. I may get in trouble with this story, but hey, I'll, I'll take it. I just believe God called me to do it. And so, so I stop at a gas station this week, get some gas and I'm getting ready to go in. As I'm getting ready to go in, uh, a guy approaches me. And so I usually know how this is going to go down. They approach me. They want something. And so the gentleman comes up to me, and he's like, hey, man. He's like, hey, what's up? He said, um, you happen to have a cigarette. Do I look like a cigarette smoking kind of guy? I'm like, no, man, I, I don't. I don't have it. I'm sorry. If I did, you could have it. Oh, that's okay. That's all right. I appreciate it. I said, yeah, buddy, no problem. So I walk in, uh, get me my kick, which was a Mountain Dew. Um, that's my guilty pleasure. Um, and so I come back out. But while I'm in there, God starts to kind of stir in my heart. And he's like, okay, Scott, what are you going to do? I'm, like, I'm going to get my Mountain Dew and get in my car. I'm going to get back in. I'm going to get some studying done with this dude. You know what I'm saying? You've changed everything up on me, Lord. He's like, okay, but before you get to that, I got something else I want you to do. I said, all right, what's that? I want you to buy the man a cigarette. Now, hold up. I'm not just going to buy that dude a cigarette. God, you can't, we can't be doing that. He says, we can't. I'm God. I want to give you an opportunity to talk to this man. So you know what I do? I go back out. Him and his, his I don't know if it's his girlfriend or who it was, but they're in the car. They're sitting there, and I go over and knock on it. Okay, I was like, so you need a cigarette, do you? He said, yeah. I said, buddy, here's four bucks. I appreciate that he was honest. He wanted a cigarette. Most people won't be honest with you. So he wanted a cigarette. I said, but before I give you this, I need to tell you something. And I don't know why I'm doing this. I don't normally do it like this, but I need to tell you something. He's like, what's that? I said, I need to tell you the reason why I'm doing this. And can you, I mean, his eyes got like, God told you to get me a cigarette? I think he did. But what I want to do, buddy, is I want to tell you about how much Jesus loves us and what he's done for us. I want to, did the man get saved on the spot? No, but you know what? He heard the gospel. And maybe that's the first time. Maybe that's the fifth. I don't know what time it is, but you know what? I'm believing that God's going to save him through a cigarette. God is going to use that encounter that I had with him this week to buy a man a cigarette just so I had the opportunity and privilege to be able to share the love of Jesus with him. So church, we got to do whatever we got to do to get the gospel to people. 
I'm not saying we do that in every case, in every situation, but for whatever reason, I felt the Holy Spirit in me pressing me to do something. That's not, mama grew up smoking. I hate smoke. It's awful. It's, oh, like I choke at it. It's like gross. But for whatever reason, God used something in me that made me uncomfortable. And in that, I believe he gave me power to go and just speak the name of Jesus to that couple. What will God do with it? I have no idea. I'm called to spread the seed. I'm called to share the message of hope. I'm called to tell people about Jesus. I'm gonna do that as crazy and as ridiculous as it is. So church, I don't know what that looks like or means for you in your life, but have you received the Holy Spirit? Not if you've been saved. Because you'll know that you're saved because you have the Holy Spirit living in you and he'll cause you and he'll speak to your heart. I didn't hear an audible voice. I didn't, none of that stuff. I just felt a, a pressure and, and kind of like this angst and anxiousness inside of me to do something. I knew I needed to tell him about Jesus. Do you think he listened a little more because I gave him some money? Absolutely, hopefully. I'm praying. That's my hope. We do it every Thursday night, do we not? Every Thursday night with a basketball. So every Thursday night we have basketball back here and yeah, we're gonna beat a ball on the floor and throw it at a hoop with our hopes to share the gospel because that's what we do every Thursday night here. We tell of the love of Jesus and those guys are respectful and they listen and they're locked in and they hear. And so we're gonna do whatever we can do to take the gospel to people. We can't expect them all to come here. Look at, there's plenty of this morning. It's not working whatever we're doing. So we've got to go to them. And that's what the Holy Spirit will do in us. If we're obedient, if we listen, if we allow him to empower us. So have you received the Holy Spirit? If not, you need to be saved. If you have and he's not working, then you need to figure out what's wrong. Maybe it's sin. Maybe whatever the case is, man, we're here. We want to pray with you. We want to love on you. What is the Holy Spirit doing in your life? Because what I know is this, is he'll give you power and he'll give you a word to tell the people about Jesus. And if he's not doing that, there's a problem. And what we need to do is we need to figure out what it is. And it usually stems back to sin. God, help us in this moment, in this place this morning, to be obedient to who you are and what you're calling us to do. Fill us with your spirit, with your presence. Jesus, I pray for that couple, God, this morning that had the opportunity to tell a little bit about you. God, save their soul. Rescue them. Open up their eyes to who you are. Jesus, we love you. We need your name. We pray. Amen. They're going to lead us in worship as we sing this song. You stand. If you want to come pray, if you need to know more about what it means to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit, to be saved, you come. We'd love to talk with you. We'd love to help you diagnose what's going on in your heart, maybe why he hasn't been active, but you be obedient to whatever God's called you. If it's coming, praying, if it's singing, if it's sitting and meditating on what God said to you this morning, you be obedient.